And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. What's going on? Welcome back to Spin Rate, the Toronto Blue Jays podcast here at The Athletic. My name is Drew Fairservice. We are so excited to talk to you about the Blue Jays. Hot off the heels, hot on the heels of a successful road trip. Coming home to Toronto, taking on the Baltimore Orioles. Let's spend some time talking about the road trip as we do on this show, which you can get twice a week. Wherever you get your podcast, subscribe to the show, give us a rating and review. Subscribe to The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash spin rate. Sign up if you haven't already. Get yourself a tidy deal so you can read everything written by the co-host of Spin Rate. She was just in Detroit covering the Toronto Blue Jays. Her name is Caitlin McGrath. Caitlin, good morning. Good morning. It's not the morning. Detroit. Sorry, you were in Detroit. Uh, yeah, I was in downtown Detroit specifically. Uh, I, I saw you posted a picture from the other side of the border, like, hi, Canada, over there. Like, mm-hmm. I was down right by the – the hotel was, like, right by the river. Um, and it's a, ni- it's a nice walk down there. And I, like, I enjoyed exploring that area. And then someone told me uh, the Windsor side is just as nice. So that will be my – next trip well the first time the first time the word windsor and nice have ever been used together in the same sentence way to go we're breaking barriers so we're gonna talk about that weekend series in detroit talk about the debut of gabrielle moreno exciting as it was and look ahead a little bit as well to what's coming up what are the hummings and goings for your Toronto Blue Jays. I also want to say thank you to the folks who helpfully corrected my pronunciation of Moreno. Moreno. There's no tilde. I was tilde, tildifying his last name. There's no tilde. What were you saying before? I was saying Moreno. Oh, okay. Like adding like the whoosh, Yeah. Adding the tilde that it's not there. So thank you. There were a couple of people who reached out very in a very nice and respectful way, correcting me as I was wrong. And I hope I'm getting it right now. Got mm-hmm. me Moreno. Moreno made his debut, picked up a knock, two games behind the dish. What do you think, Caitlin, other than the fact that he's much smaller than Miguel Cabrera? <laughs> yeah, it's. I think a lot of people are much smaller than Miguel Cabrera, though. He's a very large human. So, I mean, uh, no, no shame for Gabby because a lot of us would look tiny beside uh, Cabrera. But anyway, uh, yeah, like a, a d- totally exciting um weekend in Detroit uh to to have your top prospect come up and I thought the Blue Jays did uh did it really sort of like well and systematically in terms of you know he got called up sort of joined the team on Thursday I think that's the day he flew to Detroit um the Jays had an off day that day and then um you know he got to spend Friday sort of like with the team kind of like getting the hang of 
what a sort of major league day would look like. So he was kind of um, attending the pre-pitch um, meetings um, to go over uh, like like he would as, if he was making that start. Um, and I know that, you know, Danny Jansen, for example, was helping him out a lot, sort of like, you know, tell any questions that he had, Danny was there to answer him, kind of showing him the ropes and stuff like that. Uh, it's funny how like, it, it, how quickly it can change in teams, you know, even talking to Danny a little bit this weekend, I was kind of asking him to rem- reminisce about his um, major league debut. And he was saying what he remembers about it. Well, part of what he remembers about it is like he got he got a hit. And then on the hit, I think Russell Martin was trying to score and he got thrown out at home. But anyway, it's just kind of funny that he was like, it's not so long ago that Danny Jansen was getting um, shepherd and showing the ropes by Russell Martin. And now like a few short years later, Danny Jansen's doing the same to a new rookie catcher. So time kind of flies when you um, are on or you're following this team. And, you know, it's like now Danny's practically like a veteran on the team, uh, even though he's still quite young. But anyway, I, I I'm getting distracted. But yeah, so <laughs> the, the Blue Jays uh, called him up. He spent Friday like with the team. I think he sat in the bullpen during the game. Um, I think partly to get to know the relievers a little bit, sort of chat with them get to know their their arsenals and all that kind of stuff i think also partly because he wasn't activated he wasn't allowed to sit in the dugout Mm -hmm. um but um so he sat in the bullpen on friday night and then saturday he was in there with kevin gosman and then sunday was in there with ross stripling um and i know that he's he spent some time catching a bullpen by ross stripling on that friday as well so the blue jays i think um sort of ushered him in really carefully, um, giving him that some time to get to know the pitchers before you just throw him right in there. But I mean, they also didn't give him that much time. They did more or less kind of throw him right in there. Um, even Charlie said, like, if he's on the team, like we want him catching. Cause some of us were kind of speculating like, Oh, I wonder if they'll like debut him at DH just to give him like a day where he's like just hitting. But Charlie was kind of like, no, like if he's on the roster, he's catching like, and you know, you might as well, right. If he's here and he's supposed to be a catcher, like you might as well put him behind the plate. And so, you know, both Kevin Gosman and both Ross Stripling um, gave him, you know, glowing reviews. Obviously there's still, um, a little bit of work to just get to know the pitchers. Like for Ross Stripling, for example, he said he shook a lot more than maybe he would if he was, you know, versus like Danny or Kirk. But that was also to be expected because one, Ross Stripling throws a lot of pitches and he kind of throws all his pitches in any count sort of thing. So he's like a difficult guy to maybe like know right off the bat how to call a game. And Ross Stripling's kind of been doing it a while now. So he sort of has an idea of what he wants to do. So he shook a little bit, but it was kind of like Ross Stripling kind of said, like, I know what he was thinking and I sort of get why he would call that, but I was just thinking something different. So it was all in all good reviews. Um, Obviously the arm stood out. Kevin Gosman, you know, commented about that. Uh, Ross Stripling even said he wished the Tigers stolen him just so he could see uh, Cavi throw it a second. So yeah, I mean, we could, we can go more and more on it, but I think overall a, a very nice debut. Obviously he was very happy to get that hit out of the way in the last at bat kind of actually spurred on a sort of, mini rally um they obviously didn't come all the way back but made it interesting and he started that so that was you know i think i think it was a pretty all in all a good a good um first two games in the major leagues i would not disagree and i think you'd be crazy to disagree obviously he picked up the knock drew a walk as well mm-hmm. um uh you know looked comfortable behind the plate showed off those tools those physical 
uh, tools that he's got. Yeah. Uh, the, th- the thing that I, you know, and I, I made a comment similar, you know, over the weekend in that, you know, putting him beside uh, Miguel Cabrera kind of puts a how big Miguel Cabrera is. I, as on one story, I when I interviewed him for my like my approach series back in the day, and it was very like. It was very funny the way the whole thing came together where I went to talk to PR because Miguel Cabrera was like really famous, right? So I was like, can I, can I talk to Miggy? And he was standing right there and he was like, (laughs) sure. And then we got talking and it it was fun. And it was like, I was like half the clubhouse, I swear, was like part of that sort of like quote unquote interview. And then when it was kind of over, he kind of like clapped me on the back, which was like kind of the sign that it was over. He was like, whack and like smacked me with this gigantic bear paw in the back like in a nice way but i it was he's a big dude he's a very big dude but the thing about moreno is his athleticism and that's what allows him to do those things to make those you know to have that really really uh impressive elite pop time and to be able to fire it down um to second base and 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 kind of do the things that that are let us ooh and awe at his, uh, you know, his athleticism and the kind of thing that puts, you know, as we spoke about with Keegan a little bit, maybe the idea of him playing some third or, you know, moving around, maybe getting him in down the road at some other positions. Um, mm-hmm. But my thing is still this. Mm-hmm. That stuff's well and good. But in the game of baseball in 2022, I think that that skill is um, nice to look at, but it's not as impactful as the ability to just receive and call the game. I think that the, the the receiving again, you he'll receive how many pitches that were were thrown in, in Saturday's game, uh, you know, a hundred. The, the Blue Jays threw 121 pitches on on Saturday. Um, that's you know they've had they've thrown 10 guys out on the bases all year as a team. Like that receiving is everything. So it'll be interesting to keep our eyes on those numbers as they come in, uh, as well as get a sense of what the Blue Jays think about his receiving and his play calling as his pitch calling as well. Uh, interesting to note, uh, you know, when we last spoke there, uh, one of the things that I was going on and on about was I'd love to see Kevin Gosman throw more fastballs down in the zone. Uh, now, of course this was Gabby Moreno's big league debut, so maybe he was not not super likely to kind of try to get Gossman out of his his um, comfort zone, but he did actually call quite a few strikes or fastballs. They, he threw quite a few fastballs at the bottom of the zone. I'm looking at his uh, the average um, uh, pitch vertical of his fastball was the lowest on sa- on Saturday than it has been um, any game uh, save the save the season his season opener. So he was working down in the zone a lot more with his fastball to pretty good effect. I think he gave up a couple hits, but I know in the first inning he had lots of uh, called strikes, you know, if, if, if taking advantage of maybe some of that advanced scouting with the, if it's low, let it go because he's only throwing his, his sink uh, splitter at the bottom of the zone. So that to me is the number one thing to watch for Moreno in the field is how does he receive and, and, and how is the play calling and, uh, you know, especially working with guys like Gosman and, and Barrios and whoever else that he might start to catch, um, you know, are they on the same page? And, and I mean, that'll come in time and I'm sure a lot of that stuff gets called in the dugout anyway, but it's just some, those to me are the more, most impactful things that, uh, that are the, those are the biggest pieces of the catching job in 2022 more so than the ability to fire it around and hop out of your crouch like a, like you were shot out of a cannon, but not to say those aren't important, but to me, yeah. to me less important. Yeah, well, he did, um, Kevin Gosman in particular, did comment on um, Gabby's ability to frame and catch the low strike. He did mention that. So, um, 
he probably noticed what maybe you noticed too, as he was getting some called strikes down in the zone on his fastball. So, um, you know, I think that we'll have to see what the numbers say, but I think at least from some of the pitcher's point of view, uh, he seemed to get um, passing marks from them. And I think actually Charlie might've mentioned something along the lines of like when he was catching, like the strikes looked like strikes, you know what I mean? Like he was holding the ball while he was framing it while he was catching it well. And so like, he was really, um, balls that were strikes, he clearly displayed as strikes. So, mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. just like, you know, one or two games, obviously. So we're going to see more and he's going to get more comfortable. And even like Alejandro Kirk, like, I think it took him some time. Obviously it took him some time, um, mm-hmm. to sort of get comfortable back there. And I think it's probably, it's hard. I mean, like, and the Jays, like, other than Manoa, and I'm not sure that Moreno will, well, I guess we'll find out today, but I, th- if I was to guess, I think that they will keep um, Manoa and Kirk together because that's just been working so well. Or, like, why break it up? Um, but the quarter, the quarter ton couple for together forever. <laughs> yeah. Well, it makes sense too, because especially if you like maybe are putting Moreno and Gosman and Moreno and Stripling together. They're back to back in the rotation, and then you mi- mix Kirk in next. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously it took um, Kirk some time to get used to the major leagues, but now he looks really comfortable as well. And and the, like what I was going to say is the Jays have a pretty veteran staff, you know, like other than Manoa, um, you're asking Moreno to go. Yeah, like he's 22 years old, and you're asking him to go to Kevin Gosman, who's been one of the best pitchers for mm-hmm. a while now, and be like, "Hey, it was actually funny." Like um, Kevin Gosman, I think in that first inning, he he walked two batters, which is like uncommon for him. And um, you'll remember if you watched it, like Gabby uh, walked out to the mound, and Kevin Gosman was like, he basically like turned around, like you know how pitchers sometimes like turn around and walk off the mound a little bit, and then mm-hmm. like basically Kevin like turned around and Moreno was there, and he didn't he didn't know that he would come because it's like. You know, he's 22. This is his first inning. Is he going to come out and talk, talk to his ca- yeah. uh, pitcher on the mound? And he did. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, Kevin Gosman was kind of like laughing after because he's like, I think the like the coaching staff just told him how good my command is. And so when he saw me walk two batters, he's probably like, what is going on here? And I had to, <laughs> had to go check on him. But it was it was funny. I mean, they all he Kevin Gosman was um a good sport about it. And I think he kind of enjoyed having him that back there. It's probably like somewhat, I don't know, just somewhat fun knowing you're getting to experience someone's major league debut with them. Um, so uh, they, they, they lost that game, but all in all, it seemed like everyone was overall happy. And just like in general, Kevin Gosman said he felt like he made a step forward. Um, I think you'll probably see him continue to make those adjustments. And just to close the loop on Gosman too, like, he said to us afterwards about the, um, I guess it was the twins outing. He said he didn't think he was tipping his pitches or anything. He just mm-hmm. thinks they had a really good approach against him. Like basically mm-hmm. probably just like the scouting report. And it kind of makes sense. Like Kevin Gosman was for like the first six, six weeks of the season or whatever it may be, was kind of, you know, getting away with or, or yeah, getting away with or just using the splitter in a certain way. And then it, kind of makes sense that at some point teams are just going to be like, okay, we're just not going to swing at any of the low stuff. And we're just going to like, you know, hope we get something in the zone at some point. And so I think he's ready to make that adjustment. And you already saw signs of that against the Tigers. I think so. I think so. I think, you know, it doesn't matter how good your pitch is. If, if everybody in the league knows that if it's at the bottom of the zone, it's not going to be in the, it's not going to be a strike. 
uh, that become, you know, no matter how nasty it is, how much it moves, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it can be, um, uh, I don't know, predictable isn't necessarily the word, but you know, they, you've got to, that, that's the name of the game. And, uh, Kevin got in, in a way, this Kevin Gosman, you know, elder statesman thing and like super chill dude who you can, <laughs> who, who like eager rookie first inning of big league uh, experience comes out. He's like, Hey man, shake it off. Like, just, you know, like you can now kid. Like, like Kevin Gosman did. Cause Kevin Gosman, I think you has talked a lot about, you know, the kind of, in a, as a younger player, like struggling and, and being, you know, having expectations and pressure on himself and anxieties. And, and now to see him sort of grow into this much more, much chill, like Zen, Zen uh, guy uh, who's made you know big piles of money, but also to have that ability to like be cool with it because I'm sure that there are, especially in the old days when there were, I think guys were having just different kinds of egos. Like imagine a rookie catcher coming out and Kevin Goffman being like, "Bro, they just gave me a hundred and ten million dollars. I can (laughs) handle whatever it is that's going on here. I know you don't." But uh, a good start, a good start for Moreno, uh, and a good exciting time for Blue Jays fans as well because. it's easy to easy to dream on uh, on a player who does the things that he does and uh, has is continues doing um, the things. Will hopefully will continue doing the things that he's doing. We'll be right back with more spin rate. But first, check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, the Blue Jays, of course, as you mentioned, they did lose that game on Saturday. That has been the focus of our attention here, largely. Uh, but they did manage to take two of three from Detroit, which in some ways is like, there. Were, I saw somebody arguing with Wilner being like, they got to be sweeping these teams, which is just the craziest thing. You can't say that. You can't no. say it with a straight face. You know, unless it's the last season of the year and it's like, well, they got to sweep to stay in the race. Yeah, like, of course. It's June. You can't say they have to sweep these people because... That's just absolutely asinine. But. No, and like the thing that I don't under—I've seen some comments in that are like, "Why do the Blue Jays keep losing bad teams and stuff?" It's like, well, a they're not like losing to bad teams; they're losing a game, but they're not losing series to bad teams. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, they've only lost—they've had that poor stretch in the middle there, and then they lost a couple series. They lost a series to the Twins, but at the start of the year, they were winning most of their series or splitting them. Um, and yeah, you have to remember, like. I know that the Royals record is not good and the Tigers record is not good, but they are still major league teams. Like they are still filled <laughs> with major league caliber players. Um, you know, maybe the roster there. Well, not maybe certainly the rosters aren't as deep as a, a team like the blue Jays, but like, Teams are just going to lose. Like teams are just going to lose. And the thing that was funny about the Saturday game is actually the blue Jays. You could argue played better than the Tigers. Like they, 
out hit them by one. They hit the ball way harder than them and they mm-hmm. just weren't getting the luck. And, but on the flip side, on the Friday night, they were hitting the ball hard and it was just going out and like they were getting the balls to drop and everything. And to some extent, Sunday, the ball started to drop again for them. There was a couple, um, I remember a couple of balls hit off Biggio's bat were like, it, there was, looked like the Tigers could get it or there was some communication issues or something. And so if they, you know, it go felt ahead. like it was at that ball that Bijou hit felt like it was in the air forever. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, is it ever going to come down? Like, <laughs> you know, that's a huge part, but the two of the two Tigers outfielders are running or chasing it down and it's just ball still flying. And then eventually bounces and bounds into the, uh, I, I think they must the have thought maybe it was going out and then mm. they realized it wasn't going out. And then they were, there was like a sort of who's getting it kind of thing. And mm-hmm. you're right. It took a really long time to fall. Um, and that was a, that was a weird play, but anyway, uh, yeah. And so, if, as you say, we've said this a lot of times on this podcast, and it's kind of just general thinking, is if you're a team and you're taking two out of three, more often than not, you're on track. And I think mm-hmm. the Blue Jays are still in the sort of like 95, 96-ish, whatever it may be, win pace at this point. And like, let's just remember that like, what the Yankees are doing right now is insane. Like, it's historic. Mm-hmm. Like, if they continue this pace which maybe they will maybe they won't but if they did i mean like i think john Heyman or someone wrote this uh, a day ago or so and i didn't completely read it so I, i'm doing one of those things where i just read the headline so i don't actually know but it was something along the lines of like the yankees at this point are just competing with themselves in the sense of like the most historic winningest seasons in yankees history is what they're looking at um and not necessarily even like competing with the rest of the league because they're just so far ahead of everybody. Now, like, are they going to hit a skid at some point? Maybe. And if they were to, it might be happening soon because their schedule's tougher coming up. But, um, but yeah, like, winning two series on the road, on the road, remember, it's good. Like, don't be mad about it. Just be happy. Even, you know, the, the old saying that you've probably heard me say before, which is like every team in baseball wins 60 games and loses 60 games. Yes. Well, it's what happens in the in the middle and interceding 20 or sorry, 42 that determines your season. Even if you only win 60 games, which means you would lose 100 games, which the Tigers are not going to lose 100 games. That's still like two, more than two wins a week. So you can't you just can't expect to go in and sweep everyone it's crazy the yankees thing also crazy blue jays are 16 and 4 in their last 20 games mm-hmm. uh, over which time they have gained zero games on the yankees who are also 16 and 4 um i i made that observation and uh, your friend and mine lindsay adler of the athletic uh, retweeted it which meant a whole afternoon of nestor cortez profile pictures and yankee bros in my in my replies which mm. was fine uh it is what it is but uh, uh, someone who I can't remember the the guy's name. He's a regular, the Blue Jays fan who replied like, "The Blue Jays are on track to win ninety six games right. and lose the division by twenty two games, <laughs> which is crazy." But it's not going to continue forever. I mean, even if it is, the Blue Jays can only control what they can control. They can go out and they can win. They can put a dent in the Yankee season by beating them when they play heads up. They're not going to sweep them. But if they can win series against the Yankees, that's a game right there. And, and maybe, and like maybe they do sweep them, and then they they could sweep, they could easily sweep the Yankees, and then they could split against the Orioles. Like that's possible. Like that's baseball. Like that. That's that stuff baseball, happens. Susan. 
<laughs> Shout out Susan Waldman, the GOAT, speaking of the Yankees. But there are a lot of more positive positives to draw from. Like we haven't even talked about Ross Stripling. We got so we we're so busy hugging prospects here mm-hmm. that we didn't talk about, about Ross Stripling and his great outing and and what it means going forward, I think. Like there was some talk, you know, we, we were speaking before and I was speaking on the radio, but like, might the Jays go out and, and get a starter at the trade deadline? Or is that a need of theirs, given the uncertainty around Hyunjin Ryu? Um, no, <laughs> no. I mean, you, you know, you mentioned the luck. Uh, if you look at the expected batting average and hard hit balls, the Tigers actually hit more hard hit balls uh, on Sunday against the Blue Jays. And they had a higher expected batting average, uh, but they only got two hits and didn't score any runs. So that sucks for them. Uh, but you know, at what point are we going to say, like, maybe this is just Ross, Ross Stripling's job and they can figure out the rest? You know, they could find someone to do his old job a lot more easily than they can find someone to do what he's doing right now. Yeah, I mean, I think I've sort of thought about the starting thing. And if they have to go out and get a starter, I would say if if I was thinking maybe what the Blue Jays are thinking, I don't think I'd make getting a starter the priority. I think he would prioritize reliever, relief help, um, hard-throwing relief help first. Um, I'm sort of like on the fence as if they need another left-handed bat. Um, maybe, like maybe, um, we'll see. But I, I took your point the last time we talked in the sense of, you know, I do think we are – Especially if they roll with three catchers, which they might if they want to keep Moreno up. And then they are obviously going to have Danny Jansen back at some point and Kirk. Like, then you're like, how many sort of like pseudo DHs can you have on one team? Right. So, like, I am, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think relief help will be the number one thing the Blue Jays are prioritizing as they should, because I do think it's pretty obvious the hole on their roster is like a sort of secondary like almost like closer, but for the eighth inning type arm they need Um, Mm -hmm. someone that could do what Jordan does, but you can pitch him in the eighth inning or if you get a closer, you flip and use Jordan in in the eighth. um, Or like duplicating uh, uh, Jimmy Garcia, having another one of those. You just need another one. Eighth inning A, eighth inning B, ninth inning, however you want to do it. And you still have like a Simber and stuff. And then you use him, you use Simber when you're just using like a fresh inning. So there's no one on base. But then if Mm -hmm. you're, if there's someone on um, and you want a guy that maybe can get swing and miss, um, strike out a little bit more, you maybe need someone else who can do that. Um, See, that's so, interesting. Yes. Because in my mind, I was thinking almost the opposite. Because in my mind, again, it doesn't necessarily mean it's real, but in my mind, Adam Simber can get ready faster than anybody. I don't even know if that's true. I just, it just feels right I think in my it's head. It's true. I think it's true. So Simber is like the holy shit, get going. We need, like, suddenly there's two on and we need somebody to get in there and get a ground ball and, and, and get it out. So, that's how I kind of can envision Simber as being used, you know, really fluidly, fluidly, like sixth inning, eighth inning, whatever comes in. Not to say that you're, you know, and I don't know that I disagree, but that's how that's how I was thinking about it in my head. And I'm entirely comfortable with the fact that I'm wrong. But that's just where I went immediately. So I I'm, think I'm, it would I'm, depend hmm? on the score. Like, I think if yeah. you're if it's a five three game and there's two on and no out. I don't know if you're going with Simber just because mm. if a ball squeaks through, suddenly 
you they've scored a run and now it's a one run game and you still got no out and you're using Simber and he's got to face three batters. Like, I think they have no hesitation using Simber and I'm, and I think he's been really good and I would trust him in most situations. I'm just saying that there's like limitations with a guy like Simber because he does Mm -hmm. rely on contact and sometimes contact gets through and sometimes soft contact gets through, especially the way the Jays are um, sort of leaning into the shift this year. So I just think it would be, having another option other than Simber as like another guy that can kind of do what Simber does. And maybe it is a guy that can get warm up really quickly, but someone who's more likely to get a strikeout than Simber is. Um, But also if the Jays just want to like have five, six, seven run leads all the time, then they can do what they want with the relievers. And it's a lot easier to manage a game that way. But back to your point. So we don't forget about talking about stripling again. I think that, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Screw you, Ross Stripling. <laughs> um, I think that it's interesting. I think we'll have to see how Ross Stripling handles maybe his next start. Let I think he's been great in his last two, but also let's keep in mind those two were against the Royals and the Tigers. Um, not exactly the most potent high-scoring offenses. Um, mm-hmm. So against the Yankees, it'll be a different test. He's faced the Yankees this year. Um, I think he did okay against them. It was it was like not a you know by any means a disaster, but I think it was like a shorter outing. I think that was before when he was filling in for Ryu before. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so let's see how he keeps pitching. But I think you're certainly encouraged. I think he's gaining confidence, and it's actually funny because I asked him yesterday, like you know, when you got to make that smooth transition back to the rotation, like you often do, do you just sort of like rely on your years of experience to like kind of be able to do that? Obviously he's been a swing man for basically his entire career. And it's funny, he said, and it's actually true. He's like, I've actually probably been in the rotation more than in the bullpen over the last two years. And that's like, that's true. Like half, half, more than half of last season, he was in the rotation. And then you're going on almost half the year he's been in the rotation at this point because Rio was missed a month earlier and then he's now he's back on the aisle now and he's not coming back anytime soon so it's Ross Stripling's job to lose I think if he did show some signs of struggle maybe the Blue Jays prioritize a start a little more I'd be interested if they wanted to go get someone who is also like Ross Stripling-esque and could Mm -hmm. kind of do both. And so if you are using Ross Stripling in your rotation, you have, you have less length in the bullpen. I know Trent Thornton's in that role right now, but if they wanted to get someone else that can do the job that Ross Stripling does and can kind of be a reliever and a starter, and then you have another guy, um, that might be something that they might look into as opposed to like, going out and like trying to trade for like Frankie Montas or like someone like, like I don't think they're going to do that. Cause mm-hmm. I don't think mm-hmm. there's really a need, but I think like if they could go out and, f- and find someone who had some versatility or someone who, you know, could start for them, but could also be give them some length in the bullpen. I think that could be interesting if they had control uh, or years of control that would help too. Cause obviously Ross Stripling is a free agent this year uh, or at the end of this year. So um, that could also be a move like looking ahead, but mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the Blue Jays do have a lot of belief and faith in Ross Stripling. And I know I've heard Pete Walker say that he's a major league starter on a lot of teams. He would be in the uh, he would just be in the rotation. There wouldn't go yeah. be any going back and forth. So I think it. I think until he shows serious struggles, or if he shows serious struggles, I think they're going to go with him, and I think they're happy with what he's doing. Um, and and I, it, 
Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say they they should be happy with what he's mm-hmm. doing because the rate at which he's producing is really high. And if you are so in my mind while you were speaking, I was thinking like you know maybe that's a you know they're happy with what he can do, but maybe they, if there was an out, upgrade out there, they would take it. But like there aren't that many upgrades, like Mm-mm. considering how well he's been pitching and how well he's pitched as a Blue Jay and and what he's capable of, and and also just his flexibility and and his I'll do whatever attitude. Um, there's a lot of value in that. And, you're, and you're, you're getting to the point where, like, if yeah. Ryu does come back, which I think it's a huge question mark if he comes back, and then you're like, if he is comes he back, better? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, one other point I wanted to make: uh, you are we're bang on. Um, Adam Simber facing a batter leading off the inning. Batters batters are one for seventeen with one walk against him this year. Uh, the first batter of his that he faces uh, actually seven for 27 so he has uh, and that's when he allowed uh, a home run as well so his numbers against leadoff batter so starting with an inning clean uh unbelievable so pitching coach slash uh pitching coordinator caitlin mcgrath <laughs> you're hired uh yeah i think i but you know again to that point i think that it is entirely uh fair to ask and wonder aloud is were you uh, going to be a more, would be would he be a more productive uh, starter than than Ross Stripling has been? Um, other than the, the only the only thing that that in my mind immediately that works in Ryu's favor is that he has pitched well against the Yankees, which doesn't mean that he would continue to pitch well against the Yankees because if you are betting on a soft tossing lefty to go in and beat the Yankees at Yankee Stadium, you are out of your mind. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. There's been so much happening in this one weekend. Tameza. Yeah. Is back. He threw, he threw like four pitches <laughs> and made his return. <laughs> Efficient. Good for him. After, uh, so the, 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 um, the live BP home run to Bradley Zimmer has not haunted him Mm-mm. any further. Uh, no. Good to see he was able to shake off that incredible disappointment of, of giving a live BP home run to Bradley Zimmer. But again, an, a guy who, who could well be the thing that we've already just discussed, right? He could be the eighth inning B guy, depending on oh, yeah. who they're facing and what the makeup of the lineup is. And, and the, the, to have guys like that who can give you looks and to have a, a lefty who's not a crazy, you know, only you can only face, uh, you know, certain kinds of hitters. That's, that's pretty valuable. Yeah, no, I mean, the Blue Jays' bullpen has been good. Like, I think that they have a lot of guys that have 
for the most part, looked really good. Phelps, I think you could throw him in any sort of situation. Mm. Sixth, seventh, eighth. He, I think he's pitched the ninth once. Um, you know, Meza, uh, Simber, Garcia. You got four guys that I think are well-trusted in any leverage situations. Um, you've got Jordan Romano as your closer. And then, yeah, like Trevor Richards has been more of a question mark. He's obviously struggling right now. So you're not throwing him into a leverage situation unless you have to. With Meza back now, that's going to move him back in the order. And I think that you're going to see him used more in like, you know, non-leverage situations until maybe he can figure out and get his sort of change up and fastball working again for him. The only reason I say like, I think they need another hard. I think they just need a different, another look in their bullpen, right? Mm-hmm. Like just a really hard throwing guy. Um, I think that would just like sort of complete the set, if you will, <laughs> of, <laughs> of what they need, because they've got a lot of different looks, you know, Simber throwing from the side, Mesa using the sinker, you know, Jordan throwing the fastball up and then and the slider, um, you know, Phelps has a, different kinds of fastballs and he just throws strikes um, a ton. And so you've got a lot of different looks. I think there's the one look that you're sort of missing is someone like Romano S that can also come up and throw 99, 100 and like a hard hard slider with some movement Mm -hmm. um i think like that because to me like a lot of teams have that in their bullpen and i think the blue jays like have it to some extent but (laughs) some teams have only that in their bullpen (laughs) like the yankees or like uh, yeah and the like the rays are like that um so i just like think it's just like sort of the one thing that the jays are missing and i would I would sort of like to see them prioritize that um, because I, I I don't know. I think it would just make their bullpen that much better. And I think when you're talking about, you know, winning playoff baseball and stuff, um, I think having someone that maybe can reliably get swing and miss and strike out is really, really valuable in um, playoff situations when often you're going to be talking about playing closer games. I agree. There's there are there is no limit on the number of good players you're allowed to have, mm-hmm. right? Like it, you can have get as many as you want, and the rest will sort it out. And as we've seen, the Blue Jays really making, you know, leveraging that sort of extra pitcher position in terms of uh, finding roster spots and stuff there, and move, cycling guys in and out. Um, you know, the Blue Jays are are. You, you, could be worse. They, they have a lot of, uh, again, with, with Trent Thornton, with Julian Merriweather, with some of these guys that are in these kind of more mop up roles, but have that potential and, and have the ability to, um, to, to, to make a difference if they can, if they can get right. So, uh, now we look ahead again, again, another guy we haven't talked about was Jose Barrios, who pitched really well again. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of, uh, a lot of positives to come out of a weekend when they won two out of three. We look ahead a little bit as well. They are facing the Orioles, who, as we have uh, rightly stated before, they're no um, slouches. You know what I mean? The, the Orioles' offense can score some runs. Uh, yeah. Not, not they're not a good team. They're still very bad, and the Blue Jays will be expected <laughs> to take care of business. But they're not like end of the world bad, like they've been. They're sort of middle of the road, I think. I don't think that's unfair to say in terms of their offense. Very, you know, at, at worst league average. Sure. Yeah. Their offense was kind of turning the corner last year, I thought. Like they, um, it was really their pitching was just the weak spot last year. Mm-hmm. And um, that's continued, I think, to be 
a weak spot, but not as much as one. Um, and I, to me, like the Orioles are just like a very inconsistent team. Like I think you can see them play some games really well where they look, you know, like a good team. Like I remember sort of paying attention to their series against the Red Sox a couple weeks ago where they had a couple wins. They had a sort of epic comeback win against um, the Red Sox who do have a very bad bullpen or mostly mm-hmm. bad bullpen, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another team that's getting really hot too, by the way. Like I think oh my the, God. the Red Sox, I think some, one of their reporters tweeted like they've um, had the best record over the last 20 odd days or something like that. Um, and they just had a good, good road trip out West. Granted, like the teams they were playing out West are like, the Angels, who were in a tailspin, and Oakland, who's bad. And then I think Seattle, they took two out of three against Seattle. Um, still got to win. Yeah, exactly. You still got to win. Um, but, uh, yeah, like the Orioles, I, I think that they're, the Blue Jays should win that series. But I'm just saying, like, it wouldn't shock me, and I think maybe some Blue Jays fans should be prepared, that if they, like, split a series against the Orioles. And, like, I think when the, over the course of the season – are the Blue Jays going to win mo- most of those 19 games against them? Yes. But, I mean, I just think we should be prepared for the fact that, like, the Royals aren't a complete walkover. You know, I think mm-hmm. that they are in some ways, like, better than the Royals and um, the Tigers, who the Blue Jays just face, in the sense that they can put up more runs consistently. They're better offense, better lineup um, on a more consistent basis. So... It'll. It, I'm kind of just interested to see how the Jays look against them because the Orioles have been sort of like this mystery to me because they've been playing all these other teams and the Blue Jays have not faced them until now. And you have this perception of the Orioles being bad, and I think largely they're you know they're going to win less game or they're going to lose a lot more games than they're going to win this year, I should say. But I don't know. Like I'm interested to see how they look. Like I'm interested to see how the Jays look against them. Cause last year, sometimes the Jays just looked like they were in a whole different league against the Orioles and scoring like 22 runs against them. Um, but then, you know, sometimes the Orioles like knocked out Robbie Ray <laughs> and he, he was a Cy Young winner. So um, I'm really actually interested to see how the Orioles are this year because they were improvement off last year. And, but, you know, the Blue Jays have been swinging the bat really well. And I think I think today the Orioles starter is not very good. I can't believe that you have brought the – I thought we were going to get away without talking about the Red Sox. I was hoping. Oh, I'm sorry. The, the Red Sox are 22-10 and 10 in their last 32 games, which is pretty good. Uh, the Red Sox in their last 30 games – are 21 and 9, which is better than everyone except the Yankees. So that means the Red, in the last 30 games, the Red Sox have gained three on the Blue Jays, and the Blue Jays won 18 of those games. The Rays, of course, won. Like the American League East is just such so ridiculous. It makes me very disappointed. Um, the the Yankees never lose. The Orioles, uh, the, the Red Sox never lose. No one ever loses. It's no fun. Yeah. I mean, the wild card is honestly, unless a team like the Angels or the White Sox or Texas, maybe, or Seattle, like unless one of those teams goes on a real run and really like turns things around in the second half, I don't see how it's possible that the three wild card spots don't go to the American League East. And it's honestly going to, and I mean, like the Yankees are winning the division right now and they have a healthy lead. 
Um, I think there's still enough season to be played to say like the division um, is still in play, but it's obviously going to take somewhat of a real, um, real rough patch for the Yankees for to to um, make it more conceivable. But mm-hmm. um, the point is that the positioning of the four teams, I guess, is really going to come down to the season series against each other. Like, I think the Blue Jays have played well against the Red Sox so far. They haven't really played well against the Yankees so far. They've played so-so against the Rays. They haven't really played the Rays that much. Um, And then, like, you know, it's all going to come down to that. Like, it's going to come down to, like, how they play against each other because they're all going to be so close. There's going to be tiebreaker scenarios probably in play. Like, you got got to win against the other teams, but against your own division, like, that's going to be crucial this year. Last year, I, I famously is not the word I want to use and will not use, but I kept saying the uh, the Red Sox are going to ruin somebody's season. The Red Sox are going to ruin somebody's season. As it turned out, it was the Blue Jays season that they ruined. This year, I don't think there's any one culprit. I feel like this year, one of those four teams is going to ruin their own season. Like that, like that's the only way. And, and, and if it means falling down against the against the the Orioles or having a you know having one of those weird stretches where like oh they lost you know five of six against you know Seattle Seattle right like if the Blue Jays get swept by Seattle that those are those kind of games you come back and be like I can't believe that happened I can't believe they only beat Seattle once and Seattle is uh what do the kids say dog water but anyway again exciting matchups coming up this week as the Blue Jays head home to take on <laughs> Baltimore uh i think you know for me i'm one of the things i'm looking at is you know the evolution of of um of of alec manoa what kind mm-hmm. of stuff can he do against lefties is that something that he can continue to t- to tweak to tinker uh to can find new ways to attack them about which version of uh, yusei kikuchi we're going to see um when he faces off against baltimore again a team that is it's easy to overlook, but their offense is no joke, and they have some some guys on that team that can swing the bat. They also have Rugnan Odor. It'll be nice to hear him get booed soundly uh, in Toronto for the first time in a little while. But again, these are games the Blue Jays need. So lots to look forward to, lots to talk about, and we will be back to talk about it again later on this week, I believe. I don't know why we wouldn't, because that's what we do. Two shows a week on Spin Rate. Caitlin, what about you? What do you got coming up? You wrote a story all about uh, what it was like throwing a Gabby Moreno. Did you not? I wouldn't say it's all about that, but that that is contained in there. It is part of it. And then there's more notes and uh, like notes and everything you need to know about what happened in Detroit, what you're looking ahead, everything you need to know about these upcoming series. Um, And yeah, this week I don't have a plan yet, but I'll think of one today and there will be content coming from me. So. That's all we could ever ask for when we go to theathletic.com slash spin rate and subscribe to read everything that Caitlin, Caitlin, Caitlin McGrath writes, co-host of spin rate, the other co-host of spin rate, Ricky Romero, and I will be back later this week. Uh, Ricky and I have been talking about throwing a bullpen and he sent me a video on Twitter. I don't know if you saw that of him throwing a bullpen in, at the Rogers Center while the Blue Jays were in Detroit. I, I, he's doing some junior J stuff, I think, there with the team. And I am already terrified. Uh, I do not look forward to this even one bit. But when it happens, should it happen, it'll be good fun. Just like it's good fun when we get together and talk. So subscribe to the show. Subscribe to The Athletic. Say follow Caitlin on uh, on Twitter. You can follow me as well. Follow Ricky on Twitter too. For Caitlin, my name is Drew. We will talk to you next time. Turning at the camera. Let's get back.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.